everyone. It's an absolute pleasure today to have Rob Kearney uh, onto the Powercast, uh, aka known on Instagram as World's Strongest Gay. Slightly controversial uh, Instagram title, but it shows he's a bold man and he uh, is happy and proud of who he is. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Charlie. I appreciate, I appreciate being on here and chatting with you for a little bit. Uh, we're just having a little bit of a fascinating conversation about how small the world, uh, the world is generally and how everyone knows everyone through uh, distant cousins and stuff like that. So it's uh, an interesting one. So to give us a bit of a run through, Rob, about who you are and uh, obviously your Instagram like bio probably gives a lot away, uh, but you've got a very fascinating story. So I'm very, very much looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, so um, so I, you know, as you mentioned, I am I am the world's strongest gay uh, on Instagram and in life. So I am I'm the first uh, openly gay professional strongman in the world. I came out back in 2014, um, and back then I was actually um, competing as a 105 kilo athlete. So I was I was a bit smaller than I am right now. What do you, um, what do you weigh now, Rob? For context, uh, about 125, 127, depending on the day. That's a big jump. <laughs> so um so yeah so so I came out like I said in 2014 competing in the uh, 105 class and had a great time doing that and then uh ever since then in uh 2017 jumped up to the heavyweight division which is uh when I I got my first crack at world strongest man that year and um kind of made my my mark in the in the strongman world really competing at the highest level in the sport something that I dreamed of and never really thought that I would do or expected to do um, and you know, since 2017 competing at the highest level of sport have worked my way up to being one of the, you know, I would say top three or four competitors in the U S and top 10 in the world right now. What, um, like strong man itself, a huge, huge amount of respect for, uh, in terms of what you guys do physically, mentally, and what you put your bodies through. How did you first get into the sport? Cause it's not like a, a conventional sport in a lot of respects. You know, I mean, it's not like you just, it just doesn't just happen by chance. You don't play it at school or anything. No, no. So for me, um, in high school, I, I played, uh, I played football, uh, well, American football and, uh, was actually a cheerleader as well and really found a love for lifting weights and, you know, kind of got introduced to the weight room through those sports. And my final year of school, I was working out and there was a teacher at the school who actually was a CrossFit coach as well noticed me working out, um, saw that I really enjoyed it and invited me to train at his CrossFit gym. So I'd actually go to the gym before school. I'd go to the gym at like five o'clock in the morning, um, you know, do my workouts, then go to school and go about my day. And I found out pretty quickly that I sucked at strong, or I sucked at CrossFit. Um, but I was really good at that lifting heavy stuff. So, uh, walked into the gym one morning, it was a Tuesday and I remember like it was yesterday, they were like, oh yeah, there's a uh, strongman competition this weekend and we signed you up for it. Uh, I had never done anything like it. Throwing into the deep end. Yeah. You know, I had never even like seen an implement in real life, let alone like lifted it in a competition. Um, so I went to the contest. I was the youngest competitor by like eight or 10 years, being only 17 years old. Um, I got my ass kicked. I took last place, but fell in love with the sport. And, uh, you know, after I went off to uni and, you know, found a gym that was relatively close to where I was and was able to start training strongman a little bit more competitively. And, um, you know, that kind of led me on my trajectory to where I am today. What do you think was the real pivotal moment in you thinking like, this is a career and something I want to pursue further? Did you have like a, a trigger point with that out of interest? <laughs> to be totally honest, I didn't think I, I never thought that I would be doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, 
I'm small compared to the guys that I compete against. Um, you know, only being, you know, in that, that 125, that mid to 120 kilo range, um, you know, and I'm five foot 10, you know, I compete against monsters. So, so for me, it was, I made my way through the amateur circuit here in the U S uh, competing. Actually, I started under 90 kilos um, when I started doing strongman. Um, and I competed there until 2011. Um, 2012 jumped up to the 105 kilo class and competed there until 2016. So I became a pro strongman in the 105 kilo class after winning the amateur national championship, uh, took second place at America's strongest man in that weight class in 2014, 2015. And then, um, when I, when my body weight started getting heavier, when I was walking around around 112, 113, um, and I would cut down to 105, it was getting a lot more difficult in doing that. And that's when I started competing internationally as well. So my last competition at the 105 kilo class in 2016 was in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And I had a really, really hard cut, uh, wasn't able to put weight back on after the weight cut. And that was kind of my, my aha moment to jump up to the heavyweights and just see how I would do. Um, was fortunate enough to win my first heavyweight show in January of 2017. And that got me a wild card invite to world's strongest man. So like my, my goal was never to get to world's strongest man, ironically, you know, cause I never thought I could just cause of my size. And, you know, it wasn't until I got that call to compete at world's strongest man that I realized that I could be pretty good at this and maybe make a run at being one of the top guys in the world. Did you find that that, that almost that invite gave you suddenly the confidence in yourself, the self-belief that you had a future in that and that was a sign for you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I said, you know, for me, it was never really on the radar, especially in my come up through the sport. Um, so to get that call and to realize that, you know, it was a wild card invite. So I, I hadn't like qualified officially through the system. Um, but you know, the, the, the wild card invite was, it was almost like having, seeing that other people believed in me that I could be competing at this level, um, instilled a little more self-confidence in myself as well, um, to realize like, oh, you know, like I really could do this and compete with these guys, um, so hearing it from somebody else, I think, was a little bit more motivating than me thinking it intrinsically about, you know, me being able to do it myself. But having that support from other people really meant a lot to me and helped me get on that, that, uh, that projection to doing what I'm doing now. Did you ever find, like, on your way up, though, you, you sort of suffered with, like, imposter syndrome? Are you not worthy of where you were getting to? And you know, things like that probably gave you more reassurance? Yeah, you know, I mean, 2017 to 2018 – they were, they were tough years for me. Um, you know, I, 2017, I call it kind of like rookies, rookies luck. Um, I, I won the Giants Live North America contest um, in 2017, which got me to world's strongest man again in 2018. Um, but from that moment through 2018, it was really, really hard because I had this bigger is better mentality where I thought I had to be big and gain all this weight. And I bloated up to 300 pounds. Um, so like, 135 kilos or so. And, um, I was gross. I, I felt horrible. I looked horrible. Uh, I didn't get much stronger. Um, and you know, I think having, you know, a year and a half of rough competitions where I just didn't do too well, helped me kind of like put things into perspective and get back to where I know I can get stronger and do better. Um, and that kind of set me on this path of being a lot more successful. Awesome. That's um, interesting to hear that you almost had a, a moment of self-enlightenment that where you realized you were going down the wrong path almost. Yeah. And it was also, it was because, you know, I, 
you look at the people I compete against in the sport, like Brian Shaw, Thor, um, Eddie, um, all these guys that I competed against that are just massive men, you know, eclipsing 200 kilos in body weight and just, you know, monstrous in height. And I kind of got caught up in this bigger is better mentality where I thought I needed to try to rival that in order to stay competitive. And it actually did the opposite for me. I was more prone to injury. I wasn't fit. I couldn't move as fast. I wasn't getting stronger. And, you know, honestly, um, I took a lot of my, you know, on my self-esteem as well, because I just wasn't looking, I didn't look good. I wasn't happy with how I looked. And, uh, you know, that played a big role in kind of changing everything I was doing in the summer of 2018. Um, I completely changed my training, my nutrition and everything to try to set me up to be a little bit more successful. Did you find that that, that was starting to knock your confidence a lot then in terms of your self-appearance, not being happy with your weight was then having detriment to your training performance than other aspects of your life quite heavily then? Yeah, hugely. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those sayings, you know, I think it's all cliche, but it's, you know, look good, feel good, play good. Um, and it's, it's true. You it know, is, like, yeah. look, if you look good. You're more confident, you know, for me, like I wasn't excited to go train at the gym, um, you know, going out in public, you know, never really bothered me, but I was never like, excited to do it. I felt like I never looked good. And that took a huge toll on my self-esteem where, you know, I wasn't competing to my potential. I ended up having an injury and it kind of set me, you know, in like this, like little depression almost. So the fact that I wasn't healthy, I wasn't strong, um, as I thought I should be. And I wasn't just, I wasn't myself and I wasn't that happy anymore. That's, um, it's fascinating to hear how that can even affect someone like you because a lot of people obviously look up to you as like uh, obviously one of the world's strongest men that you don't have those sort of you know, like challenges perhaps confidence wise in your own physical appearance because obviously you're the elite of the strength of the human race essentially so it's uh, it's fascinating to hear that from that side of things yeah and change the topic slightly obviously back to like the main context of what's one of the things very fascinating about you obviously your process of coming out how did that sort of take place for sort of listeners and share the journey of that because I think that's quite uh, obviously, pivotal and probably give a lot of people of confidence about themselves being different. Maybe if it's not even in that aspect, but other areas of their life, perhaps to have the confidence to do it. Yeah, you know, for me, um, I lived a very heteronormative life. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, when, when I was coming up and through my teens and early twenties, and when I was twenty-two years old, I was actually in a relationship with a girl and you know, we were together for about a year and a half. And I woke up one morning, I'm not sure why I kind of had this moment, um, where I just realized I wasn't happy anymore. And um, so I broke, I ended that relationship, um, you know, and telling her that it's because I'm having these feelings, and I need to explore my sexuality a little bit. And for me, it was the best thing I could ever have done in my life. You know, I had, um, was fortunate enough to meet my, my husband just a few months after that. And we met in August of 2014. We started dating in early September. And then I came out October 20th of 2014. Um, you know, and a big reason for that was because my husband had been out um, since he was in high school. Um, and I really didn't feel that it was fair for him to be dating somebody that was still closeted, especially, you know, in our early 20s. So I came out to my family and my close friends and luckily had massive amounts of support from them. And then ended up coming out publicly on Facebook, um, you know, on a man crush Monday post and <laughs> <laughs> you super millennial of me. And, um, 
you know, luckily it was, it, it became a viral thing pretty quickly. Uh, we weren't expecting that. So uh, a friend of ours ended up writing an article about it, which was amazing. And that kind of took off. Um, and, you know, next thing you know, we were being contacted by the Huffington Post and TMZ and doing all these crazy interviews. But, um, you know, the most important thing for me was it, it lifted this weight off my shoulders that I didn't even realize that I was carrying. I, you know, you like you could breathe properly again, like almost like yeah. a just Yeah, it was um it was this moment of, you know, almost like relaxation and bliss because I realized I didn't have to wake up and put this facade on for anybody else. I could finally be myself. I had I could let all my guard down. And um, you know, I say it, it it's so profound, you know, I was actually able to experience true love and happiness because of this. And that kind of propelled my strongman career in a direction I never thought possible. And it's not just because I'm gay. Um, it was because I didn't have to put all this extra energy into the bullshit of pretending to be somebody I wasn't. And I could actually focus that energy into lifting weights and training and being happy. And that really is the biggest thing that, pro that propelled my career to what I'm doing now. It's one of those things. It's like that, not having that negative aura or energy around you, which just drains you. Like if all you have is positivity to your happiness and love, like all you can do is succeed and everyone supports you, then it's impossible. You can't succeed if you're, if you're committed to whatever it is. And if it's something you love, like you obviously clearly do, then it's, it's a one way ticket to where you want to go really. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it was, um, you know, like I said, I never expected to be doing this and, you know, just coming out and saying that I'm in love with a man. Um, I didn't think that it would have these implications on my career whatsoever. I'm super fortunate that it did. And I'm lucky, um, you know, that I was able to channel all that positive energy into something that I love. And it has led me on a career of traveling the world and lifting stuff and meeting amazing people. What, what I, I love about you is one of the things that I say to a lot of people is there's nothing the worst thing you can do is be the same as everyone else. The most beautiful in the world is the fact that you're unique, like every individual and you have to be yourself and like you're incredibly unique. And like the fact that like, you've got like jazzy hair, a bit like me, you've got like, so your Instagram like bio is very like, out there and strong. Whereas like a lot of people be like, Ooh, you can't do that. That's too much. Like, yeah, you know, like, in the middle, and I'd rather be like polarized. Like people either love you or hate you, but like, at least they know you, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, it's the old saying, like, any publicity is good publicity. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I've looked at it. And, um, you know, for me, my entire thing ever since coming out was my my whole stance and persona is to be unapologetically open about my sexuality and my marriage. Um, because I feel the only way to normalize it is to show everybody that two men can be married and have a completely normal relationship, just like heterosexual people. And, you know, it's funny that I, you know, I get, I get a lot of negative comments all the time on social media, but I always find it funny because, you know, world's strongest man will post something about Thor and his wife, Kelsey. And, you know, they'll get so, so many amazing comments saying that, Oh my God, they're such a cute couple and all this stuff. And then they'll post something about Joey and I, and it's just hate nonstop up and down the entire thing with a few, you know, positive comments mixed in there as well. Um, so I just find the irony really hysterical to me. You know, I just laugh it off. It doesn't really bother me. Um, but I just, you know, I find it funny that, you know, people don't think that my life is normal compared to other people. So it's a funny world we live in because I get, uh, unfortunately not a lot, but I sometimes get a bit of that on my social media for X, Y, Z, whatever reason. And I find it fascinating how people will follow you and then yet abuse you almost on a public like forum, like Facebook, Instagram, whatever it might be. I like, 
And sometimes I reach out to them and almost I'm like, it's almost like I feel sorry for you for the situation you're in because like mentally, obviously something's wrong if you're in a headspace where you have to like almost lash out at random people. Because um, like I'm a big believer if like if you've got nothing positive to say, then say nothing at all. Like ultimately, just keep your mouth shut. If you don't like it, then just just suck up <laughs> quiet, basically. Like it yeah. Is yeah, and that's um, that's a lot of things. You know, I I try to respond to as many as many comments and messages as possible on social media. Um, you know, but it's it's funny. You know, I'll sometimes I, I do get some enjoyment egging on the trolls of my posts. Um, you know, just to kind of well, one to like see where they're coming from, and just you know, for me, I always try to take like an educated an education approach um, when when talking to these people because I, I want to find out why they feel that way and why they think. Well, that way. Your, your background, you're a very, a very well educated man, aren't you? Yeah, um, I do. I have a master's degree in um, in here in the U.S. It's called athletic training and and sports rehab, um, and that's what I you know spent six years of my life doing when I was at uni. And um, you know, I still have a full time job working in that field, and that is uh, you know. So, like I said, you know, and actually, I spent a lot of my career working in primary schools. So. For me, when I'm when, when I'm kind of talking to these people on social media that are giving me these negative comments, like I said, I try to use like this education approach where I just try to, you know, teach them about why this is important and why LGBTQ visibility in professional sports is so important to help younger kids and to help reduce suicide rates in our community and do so many things. Um, and I think that a lot of people just don't see it that way. So, do you think even in the period since obviously you've come out you've noticed it's become more socially acceptable for people in the public eye to come out particularly in very like male dominated environments like strongman and professional sports yeah you know the funny thing is is you know especially in strongman specifically it, it is such a loving amazing group of athletes that when i came out publicly i really didn't get any negative feedback from anybody that's in the sport um obviously there were people that said stuff but those are people that didn't understand the culture of the sport um, you know, my best friends are in the sport, uh, and you know, it, it's really amazing to have the support of those people. And when I came out, I got nothing but positive messages of love and support from all the competitors all over the world. And their biggest concern, you know, in this sport is as long as you can lift the weight, nothing else really matters. As long as you're happy and you're doing what we're all here to do. Um, so I think, as more people are seeing how accepted I am in the world of strongman, which, you know, is arguably one of the most hyper masculine sports in the world. Um, I think people are getting a little bit more comfortable with it, you know, and that's, that's a huge, huge um, thing for me is just to open up the doors of strongman to the LGBTQ community, because for on the outside looking in, it looks extremely intimidating. You know, it's these massive men just lifting up boulders and pulling planes. Um, but, you know, on the inside, like, we're just a bunch of fun-loving guys that like to lift heavy shit and have a good time doing it. You very much get that family feel from what I see. All sorts of strong, man. It seems to be more strength training than anything, to be fair, of, like, camaraderie, almost, of, like, although everyone's trying to beat each other, that no one's trying to, like, sabotage each other as much. There doesn't seem any bitchiness. Whereas, like, in the, say, the fitness world, it's, like, the other way completely, whereas everyone's trying to stitch each other up, and it's quite bitchy in that respect. Yeah, that's, that's the great thing about the sport, you know, like we're uh, at the same, while we're competing against these people, we're also cheering them on at the same time, because I want to beat everybody when they're at their best, because um, then that just proves that I'm the best. 
And I think that's, that's where a lot of this mutual respect comes from. And it also comes from like, we also realize how much sacrifice each of us has gone through to get to this level in the sport. So we kind of have that understanding of like, we've all gone through a lot of stuff to get here. We've given up a lot of our lives um, to be able to do this. And so there's just like such a respect between the competitors, um, you know, just for what we're doing. 100%. I think it's one of those things I noticed with anyone who's generally the elite level of any like athletic endeavor, they generally tend to be very nice people because they've had to work so hard that they understand what it takes to get there. So they tend to be quite humble. Uh, normally, it's normally the people who are like the mid tier or trying to go up. It can sometimes be a little bit like snipey, maybe resentful at those ahead of them, I think. Yeah, for sure. And that was, you know, going back to me, me coming out, it was, um, the only negative comments I got from people that are in the sport, like I said, were ones that didn't understand the culture or they were just kind of getting into the sport of strongman. Um, you know, and that really, there wasn't many, which was nice. And the funny thing is, you know, when, when those comments were made, I never had to defend myself. Um, other people from the community were, you know, kind of jumping to my support, which was really great. What was the, um, the biggest challenge you found in the process? Um, for me coming out, um, you know, I, I, I feel like this sounds conceited. I really didn't have many challenges. Um, for me, it was, I was 22 years old. Um, I was, you know, living on my own. I was already a professional strongman and had a full-time job. So in my mind, I was at a point in my life where I really could care less what other people thought about me being gay. And I had fully accepted the fact that there are going to people that don't associate themselves with me anymore because of that. Um, but I didn't care what they thought, you know, for me, my happiness was more important than their feelings about me. So when I came out, I, I fully accepted the fact that there might be people in my life that I have now that might no longer be a part of it after I come out. And I was okay with that. And I kind of attribute that to just kind of having a thick skin and um, kind of march into the, the beat of my own drum for, for most of my life. And, you know, fortunately it worked out in my favor where um, my relationships with friends and family got only stronger after I came out. And, um, you know, I, I really just didn't associate myself with negativity anymore. Um, so do you have any like big tips for anyone? Like you mentioned, obviously to have their thick skin for anyone to deal with, trolling and things like that because like even when i first started doing what i do now um like a lot of people started giving me shit and grief at the very beginning of like why is charlie posting this on social media why is he doing that who doesn't think he is and like i look back now and like i was very close to listening to those people but if i had listened to them i wouldn't now have the opportunity to live the life that i do now and help the people that i do so like so many people's dreams can be crushed by listening to people who are trying to pull them down do you have any like tips on how dealing with anything like that for me, um, I've always just twisted every negative comment and used it as motivation. Um, and that's what's gotten me to this level, right? So for me, every time I get a negative comment, every time somebody talks shit to me on Instagram or whatever social media platform there is, um, I look at it as, you know, there's no bigger F you to that person than me winning. So that's what I'm going to use in my training session to get better, to get stronger, to be more fit and to be faster. Um, and that's kind of what has propelled me in, in, in what I'm doing. And that's why when I read negative comments and when they attack me, um, it doesn't really bother me. You know, one, cause I feel sorry for those people, um, that they have to stoop to that level to attack me on social media. But also I realize like they're only helping me in the long run. 
because it's those negative comments and that hate that just fuels me to get stronger and be better in this sport. And I think that's been really a really important lesson for me to learn because there's a lot of people and celebrities, um, you know, out there that say that they don't read the negative comments. Um, and I do. And, and I don't know if that's weird of me. Um, but you know, for me, like I said, it's, it's a source of motivation every time I step into the gym because you know, I know that it's going to pain those people to see me succeed in this sport. And that gets me excited. <laughs> I actually love that because I'm exactly the same. And like, uh, not, not so much now, but like probably a year or two ago, like those people used to try and put me down. Like that was literally my motivation and there's nothing more satisfying than you like you see those people now and you're like, you don't have to say anything, but like they know and you know, and you just it, like no words need to be said. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just give a little head nod and the smile yeah. and move on. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just, yeah, it's one of the best things that you can have in terms of motivation. I don't think it's not necessarily um, hate for motivation, but it's just had like a competitive edge is what I'd say. It just gives you a drive. Exactly. And it's like a will to win. So it's um, very, very important. I think and like people's, take motivation from different places but I think for me I'd very much agree with you that's somewhere that I would look to pull upon if I need to to get my arse in gear to go sort of 10 out of 10 if needed yeah I mean you know intrinsic motivation only goes so far right you know like we you know we can get up every day and have our goals and stay focused on them and do what we need to do but to a point that'll only take you you know, so far. So to find those little external um, bits of motivation really is important to help you succeed in getting to a level um, that you want to achieve. 100%. To take things a little bit back towards uh, strong manual nutrition, training species like that, I went off a bit of a tangent there. Um, obviously, your body weight jumped up massively. So you see, what, 90 kilos? So then your heaviest was 135 ish? Yeah, about that. That's what, 45 kilos and over a third of your body weight you added? Like what, what changed for you in terms of nutrition in that process of you adding that mass on as you went? What, what was the big changes for you? Because it must have been quite a big process to go up in, in weight so quickly. Yeah, you know, I mean, it quickly is relative, you know, because that, that, went, that took me from my last year competing as a 90 kilo athlete was 2011 and I reached my heaviest weight in 2018. So it was about six, seven years to get to that point. Um, you know, in a lot of it, honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that I was eating more. It was just a natural progression of my body. Um, you know, being 17, 18 years old when I started, you know, getting in that 90 kilo weight class was doable. But as I was getting stronger and putting on more muscle mass, that just added the poundage uh, in the weight to my bot, to my frame over those years. You know, I was able to, like I said, to compete in the 105 class uh, from 2012 to 2016. So a solid four years there. But even when I was in the 105 class, I was still cutting from about 109 to 110 down to 105. And, um, you know, like I said, 2016 was kind of the year that it was, it was a little bit tough, you know, competing from, you know, cutting from 112, 114 down to 105. And, um, for me, you know, I, I always, I actually look at like nutrition was a downfall for me. Um, I never paid attention to it as much as I should have. Um, and that's something that I've kind of focused a little bit more on the past couple years because, you know, 2019 and the beginning of this year so far have been, um, massively successful for me, um, where, you know, I'm, I finally reached the level where I'm, I'm a contender at every contest I go to, you know, whereas before in 2017, 2018, I was more of just a competitor. I was just kind of there being a body. I can watch that for you. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I could do a few cool things, but I was never really pushing the top guys. And now you look at World's Strongest Man 2019. I just barely missed making the finals um, and beating Thor in the qualifiers. Uh, you know, 2020, you know, I had a great competition at the Arnold and just missed the top five. So I think, you know, focusing on my nutrition now has been a lot more important. I'm eating a lot more. Um, I'm actually getting leaner um, at this body weight and staying where I'm at right now. And, uh, you know, it's definitely been a bigger focus for me the past year and a half as it was in my earlier career. What's been the big change for you in terms of nutrition you're doing now that you weren't only two, three years ago? Do you, do you work um, specifically? Like I had uh, Stan Efferding on the podcast and he obviously delves a lot into the strongman side of nutrition. That's a, a fascinating podcast. Do you sort of adopt some of his sort of approaches or? Yeah, you know, I mean, to be honest, like I'm, I'm super basic when I eat, you know, um, you know, I, I'm a. I eat a lot of red meat, um, so kind of similar to the vertical diet. Um, you know, I don't dive into the carrots and bone broth and, you know, Himalayan pink salt or whatever it is. I'm not a fan of the bone broth either. I'll give you that one. Yeah, you know, so for me, it's um, I do eat a lot of red meat. I eat a lot of steak and ground beef. Um, and, you know, rice and potatoes are my main source of carbs. My biggest thing over the past year and a half or so has just been the consistency um, and keeping my calories high. You know, I think earlier in my career, um, I was pretty lazy and I, you know, kind of looked at it, you know, I would have a lot of peaks and valleys when it came to my calories. So, you know, I'd eat a lot and then I'd go for a long time without eating, then I'd eat a lot again. Um, so there was a lot of up and down throughout my day, whereas now I try to keep it a little more consistent, spread the calories out throughout the day. Um, and I've upped my calories a little bit too, which has actually helped my recovery and it's actually lowered my body fat percentage um, of just eating more. So you're like going for the strong man approach of consistently grazing throughout the day. Yeah. You know, it's funny, you know, like, you know, normal <laughs> people, normal people will talk about, uh, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Whereas, you know, I have meals one through seven. Um, and <laughs> it's kind of, that's just how it is. You know, meal one is at five thirty in the morning and then there's two, three, four and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, you know, I just try to eat consistent meals in the, you know, probably 700 calorie range per meal, um, throughout the day. So how many calories are you looking to take in a day, day then roughly? So non-training days, I'm typically between four and 5,000. Um, on training days, usually six upwards of 7,000 calories, depending on what I'm training. And on the rest days, are you dropping your carbohydrates and taking your fat intake higher out of interest? Uh, no, uh, my fat intake is actually pretty low. I'm, I'm only in like the 80 to 100 gram range. Um, your carbs must be sky high then, I imagine. Carbs are, carbs are high. Yeah. You know, um, I'm looking at some training days over a thousand grams. And is that um, from potatoes and rice? Yeah. And then like I have intra workout shakes that I drink um, because like my, I squat and deadlift on the same day. That workout can sometimes take over four hours. You know, uh, so, and then, you know, looking at like my strongman event days, same thing over four hours easily. Um, so those are the days that, you know, I'm consuming a lot more calories, just even in that, that four hour window, um, of just taking in calories during my workout. So an intro workout shake with carbs and protein, um, that's where that much bigger increase comes in. Um, and then, you know, obviously post-workout carbs, you know, eating three, four cups of rice after a workout isn't uncommon for me. Out of curiosity, how many carbs are you taking into your workout? 
in the strong ultra. Um, depending on the session, what I'm doing, it kind of varies. Um, on a lighter day, about 150 to 200. On a longer, heavier day, looking at about 300 grams of carbs. I um, embarrassingly must admit I made a mistake with my intra workout probably about two years ago. I kept getting really bloated and I couldn't work out why. And then I thought I was taking 75 grams into workout. And then because the, it said serving size, one, uh, 20, one, they said 25 grams. I was like, there's one scoop. It wasn't one scoop, it was 50 grams. I was doing 150, <laughs> which for my, for my weight at like 95 or whatever it was, uh, it was way too much. But, um, yeah. yeah. And then you also look at like the workout time, right? So like I'm taking in those 300 grams of carbs over four hours. Yeah, exactly. Like 20 minutes. <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> different different uh, kettle of fish there. From a digestive point of view, do you have anything that you implement like to try and make sure that everything's being like absorbed and taken up? Any secrets from that side of things you do differently or anything you've learned? So obviously that's a lot of calories to try and take in like for your body to assimilate. Yeah, you know, the biggest thing for me is just like keeping sugar as low as possible. Um, you know, just seeing with sugar like being such an inflammatory, you know, uh, food and it it just causes a lot of like GI um, irritation I guess is the best way to put it um, you know so just trying to keep my diet as clean as possible and then just like really with me is like the the quality meat that I use helps a lot um, so I'm pretty much trying to eat you know organic free-range beef whenever I can grass-fed um, as po- if possible um, that just helps kind of keep everything regular. But as far as like supplementation and stuff like that, I really don't dive much into it. I just try to keep as much natural food source as possible in my diet. It's like a whole single ingredient item food, really. Yeah. And like I said, it's like, you know, my, my meals are pretty much just like beef, rice, and some green beans or broccoli. And that's about it. <laughs> Seven times a day. Yeah. Seven times yep. a day. Easy peasy. From um, a training side of things, what would you say is the biggest thing you probably learned obviously through your ascendance through the world of strongman, I imagine your experience and knowledge has flourished throughout that period. Yeah. For me, um, you know, I went through a whole slew of coaches throughout my career. Um, you know, I turned pro under the tutelage of Mike Jenkins, um, who unfortunately passed away back in 2013. Um, and then had bounced around from coach to coach, you know, for a while. And then in 2018 linked up with my current coach, Derek Poundstone, um, you know, who is a strongman legend and working with him, we kind of saw some glaring weaknesses in my, in my form, um, you know, in, in what I'm doing. And I think the most important thing that we've realized is how important like work capacity and volume is in the sport of strongman. I think a lot of people look at us and they, they realize like, oh, yeah, well, like we're strong dudes. We can lift a lot of heavy stuff. We have to be athletic. And that's one of the things that drew me to strongman as opposed to powerlifting is, you know, I did powerlifting for a little bit. And that's great. You know, squat, bench, deadlift can be really strong in those lifts. But I wanted to be an athlete again. And that's where I kind of, you know, dove into strongman full time. And that's one of the things that Derek and I have really just hammered throughout, you know, the past year and a half or more is just really just increasing that workload and that volume um, to just crazy levels. You know, I mean, to the point of lifting like 30,000 pounds per workout total volume. Um, which is just insane, you know. That, that metric you uh, you check to see how many pounds you're actually taking in terms of whole session. 
Yeah. So we, we kind of keep track of uh, total, total poundage moved per workout. Um, and we try to stay within a range and we realized that that really helped, um, keep my, keep my work capacity to, to a really high level, um, to where, you know, I don't kind of have this, you know, fatigue set in during contests, you know, I think back to world's strongest man. And after three days of competing, I felt completely fine. And, you know, that's why I was, you know, obviously I was really, really bummed that I missed uh, uh, making the finals. Um, but I was also really bummed because of how good I felt. <laughs> you know, I felt going into day four or doing the finals and all five events in one day, I really could have done well because my body felt so good. And that just goes back to all the work that we put in and seeing how much I was lifting every single workout, you know, so like I said, we're, we're right in that 30,000 pound range on lower body days. Um, and even upper body days are upwards of 20,000 pounds lifted. So it's just a, a lot of volume, a lot of reps, a lot of sets. Um, and just kind of keeping that focus on that helped kind of transform the athlete that I am. In terms of like strength building your sort of foundational strength, did you have like a rep range you tend to work in when you're looking to try and really push your strength up? Um, you know, for me, what I've found is, uh, uh, the favorite rep scheme that I, that I'm in right now is four sets of six. Um, so, so it's nothing too crazy. You know, we're not getting to that hypertrophy realm. Um, we're not in that super low one to two rep range. So we're getting a little bit of volume in, uh, we're getting some work capacity in with the higher rep range in the six, six reps per set, but it's heavy. You know, so I'm not doing, so I actually do ascending sets. I don't do, you know, the same weight across all sets. Yes. Um, do you find, are you trained to complete failure in those six reps pretty much? Close, but no. You know, I would say, you know, if we're looking at like the RPE scale, I would say I'm about an eight. Um, so it's, what was that? Even like one or two reps in the tank. Yeah. So like, it's difficult. Um, you know, uh, and I'm tired and exhausted and it hurts, but it's doable. And, um, you know, that's one of the biggest things too, is, you know, you mentioned failure and it's, I, I can't remember the last time I failed a lift in the gym. Um, and I think that's really important. You know, I think for me, a lot of people see my training and the one thing people talk about all the time is that like, I don't get excited when I'm in the gym, you know, I'm not like, I save that for the contest but when I'm working out, I'm, I'm pretty calm. Um, some people have said like, I almost look lazy when I'm training. Um, just cause I, everything I do is very matter of fact. And that's because every time I step into the gym, everything I'm doing is an expectation. Um, when I step up and I see my program, I'm like, okay, this is what I have to do today. So that's why, you know, if I see a big number on a deadlift or a big number on a squat or a press, like I don't get excited about it, even if it is a PR or a PB, I'm not excited about it because for me, it's on paper. I'm expected to do that. Um, yeah. So for me, it's just another check in the box and, you know, I save the excitement for the competition and the arousal for the competition because that's where it matters. And, um, so for me, it's, I, I don't expect to ever fail while training. Um, because when I, when I step into the gym, it's, I expect to hit every number that I need to that day. What's your favorite exercise in terms of like, a, like an actual gym exercise in terms of events as well? So for me, I'll break it down into like three categories, like a main lift, an accessory lift, and then strongman. So, so main lift wise, um, you know, for me, I've actually become a really, really big fan of like, um, 
what's the best way to put it? So like board pressing on bench press. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so doing, you know, like a partial rep or a partial range of motion bench press. Um, I think that's been hugely in, instrumental into my overhead pressing power and my success. Um, and then taught looking more into that, like accessory lift, um, incline skull crushers are like my favorite thing to do right now. And then looking at strongman specifically, uh, I'd have to break it down into two. So like log press, obviously, since I hold the American record and then the yoke walk as well are my two favorite strongman events. That's awesome. Awesome. It's um, amazing. Like obviously I've never competed in a strongman. I've moved around some of the pieces of equipment, I've called it that uh, before. And it's amazing how much stability is required just to move them because they're so awkward like with all the apparatus, 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 how do you pronounce it? It's so different in terms of like the load patterns and the amount of instability that you just do not understand as you actually try and pick up yourself. Yeah. You know, I think that's, uh, it's funny. You know, I think a lot of people like they try to correlate like strongman events to like powerlifting or just gym lifts. Right. So like somebody says like, Oh, this guy can squat a thousand. He can definitely, you know, do a yoke walk easily. And it's completely different. Like, yeah, you could pick it up easily, but moving with it is a whole different animal. And that's, um, you know, it's like, for people that I coach, you know, they say like, Oh, you know, like my, my abs are really strong. So I have a good core. I was like, well, like the core is a 360 degree muscle. It's not just your abs. And that's what a lot of people forget. And everything that we do in strongman takes so much core stability and looking at the core as the abs, the obliques, the low back, the hips. Um, a lot of people don't think of it that way. So that's super important. Um, you know, when looking at strongman events and being successful in doing them. With your size at the moment, do you do a lot of mobility work and stuff to try and particularly improve your hips and your hip function? Um, not really. <laughs> um, you say yes. I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny, you know, with my, with my master's degree being in athletic rehab, um, I'm, I'm my worst patient. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I do a lot of recovery stuff as far as I do some swimming when the gyms were open, um, sauna. And, you know, I have some stim units that I use in self-massage. I do cupping. Um, and then I also do go to a massage therapist slash physio um, once a week or every other week where they kind of where you know, he'll realign my hips, do some dry needling techniques um, and kind of work on the soft tissue stuff that I can't get to. Um, and that's kind of where my mobility comes into play. Um, you know, for me, I'm not terribly mobile but i'm mobile in my sport and in the range of motions i need to be um so i think that's funny you know what was that it's all, it's all relative to what you're trying to your end goal yeah you know i think people like they get caught up in like having to perform a perfect body weight squat and while that is important in some aspects um my mentality is i i'm never in that position in strongman you know for me i can i can perform every strongman movement proficiently and well with the mobility that I have right now. So I never really work outside of those ranges of motion because sometimes that can actually increase the risk of injury. And, you know, being only 28 years old and kind of stepping into the peak of my career, I'd rather not get hurt. 100%. 100%. That's some very, very wise advice, I think, to um, start finishing things up there. So to, to wrap up, one, two, two things. So one would be advice for anyone who's looking to come out or wants to do something different and maybe believe in themselves. And then second would be your biggest tip in terms of training or nutrition for anyone to get stronger. 
as far as, you know, whether it's coming out or just, you know, feeling like you're different or have this burden, I think the biggest thing is coming to terms with it yourself. Um, you know, I think it's a lot of people, they sometimes feel this pressure that they need to come out or, you know, make these statements. And the only pressure you should be feeling is from what's within, you know, for me, it was, I, you know, was in this relationship. I was completely comfortable with myself and really didn't care what anybody else thought. And that was my biggest motivator for coming out. Um, some people aren't ready for that and that's completely fine. So you just have to do it on your own time and your own terms. But you know, kind of coming to terms with whatever it is that you're, that you're dealing with, I think is super important just from a mental health aspect and just a life aspect. You know, you also have to realize when you're finally able to be your true self, you can realize your, your full potential in whatever you're trying to achieve, whether that be in sports, in career, in family, in life, um, you know, finally experiencing true happiness and true love was the most amazing thing that I've ever been able to to ha that's been it that's happened in my life and I think it's you know all because I was able to accept myself for who I am first and that opened up the doors for me to like I said finally be truly happy and you know realize and feel what real love is um you know and as far as the biggest tips and tricks that I can think of in in whether training and nutrition Nutrition wise, we touched upon it. I think it's just consistency. Um, I think we hear it a lot, um, you know, from fitness experts all over the world that, you know, being consistent is the most important thing you can do when it, in terms of following a nutrition plan. And that's something that really has helped me um, in my career in Strongman. And as far as training wise, it's, it's not necessarily things that you do in the gym. Um, for me, what got me to this level is setting small incremental goals that I knew I could reach. So when I started Strongman, I mentioned it to you, like I sucked. <laughs> I took last place in my comp in the first contest and that lasted for a while. Like I took last place in my first eight competitions that I did. And That's pretty cool. after the third or fourth contest, I was like, okay, let's not take last. That was my first goal when I got into Strongman. And then I did that on my ninth contest. And then it was, okay, let's not zero an event. So I did that on my 14th contest and then it was, let's try to get on the podium. So it was these small goals that I knew I could reach throughout my entire career that led me to this point in the sport. It wasn't trying to hit a certain number on a deadlift. It wasn't trying to win automatically. It was doing small things that kept me motivated and kept me on the right path. Cause had I had set out the goal to be at world's strongest man, when I first started competing, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now and still competing in strongman. Cause I would have gotten, I would have gotten depressed. I would have gotten upset and it would have, well, yeah, it would have set me on a different path. And I think it's super important for people to realize that setting those small goals, you get these small victories throughout your entire career that keep you motivated and keep you on the path to what you want to achieve. And I think a lot of people can lose sight of that. Uh, but it's super, super important when you're dealing with a sport like this. percent. I think it's just, success breeds success and if those small little wins build confidence the more confidence you get the more success you get and that's hearing like that you didn't place in the first eight competitions is, is awesome because I didn't know that so that's yeah I appreciate my failure you know excites you that's great <laughs> <laughs> normally wrap things up no but like the huge amount of people they, they they expect to be amazing something at the start and as a reality we all start a crap at something so like you're not going to start being world class at anything everyone has to start at the bottom and work their way up so I think that's some like solid advice to finish things up there. Um, for, sure. for anyone to reach out to you personally, Rob, for any more information, maybe on 
information on Strongman, if you want any coaching, that sort of things, where's the best place to get in touch? Uh, so you can hit me up on Instagram at World Strongest Gay or on my website, worldstrongestgay.com. Um, you can, you know, email me there, message me there, and I'll do my best to get back to you. Awesome, man. Absolute pleasure. So I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the podcast. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review. I'll be picking one person every week uh, who leaves us a review to win a free place from the Shrednate or Sculptonate uh, Fat Loss Eight-Week Challenge. And absolute pleasure today, Rob. Uh, thank you so much. And I wish you the best of luck for future competitions whenever the world reopens. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.